Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome into episode 49 of KVAPE Council, the show where we review and critique news topics and segments in the world of professional wrestling. My name is Pretty Tony, and alongside me, as always, is the goodest of good brothers, Mr. Dr. TF Joker. Joker, what's the crack, man? What's going on? No, I didn't realize I, I earned a doctorate in the week that we've been away. Like I, I didn't realize I was a Mr. Doctor now, so yeah, that's good stuff. Your thesis, you know, you're working on stuff for school, made sense. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I'm not doing a doctorate, but now I'm going to claim it, so it's my doc- I'm, I'm Dr. Joker now, so there we go. Sorted. There we go. But how are things going with school? How's your week been, man? Oh, dude, don't even talk to me. Stressed out. My brain doesn't work. My classes are coming to an end, so that's okay. But at the same time, I'm like, brain doesn't want to do anything, but deadlines are fast approaching. So got a couple of days left, get my uh, last piece of coursework in, and I am done. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, but not looking forward to these next few days. Fair play. It's always good when you can have all that work done, whether that's a school assignment whether that's a work assignment or just something that's been weighing heavy on your mind we can kind of get it situated and sorted that's all the better and you're relieved so hopefully joker you can have that all finished and you can have that sort of moment of reprieve for yourself and for the folks listening and watching i know the it's the end of april and the school session will eventually be winding down in about a month and change or so times hopefully you folks are sorted, but I saw that the WWE is over in Belfast, and mm. I, based on what you just told me, I don't think you got an opportunity to go see them. No, no. If I if I had a had, you know, people to go with, I probably would have made the trek. That and the the lack of uh, schoolwork that I had to get done. I I really just kind of sat and stared at my uh, work last night and complained ad nauseum to my computer screen so maybe i should have just went by myself uh but from the pictures and stuff i saw of them being in belfast uh, down at the sse arena uh it looked uh looked, looked pretty fun saw some pictures of the judgment day really uh annoyed that i missed that uh mr rhodes being there would have liked to see uh cody um yeah so eh, i'll see them next time maybe possibly fingers crossed yeah all good there's always going to be a next time it's usually right after wrestlemania the wwe does tour europe Mm. so roughly around this time they do hit up a lot of the major markets obviously your london's one or two cities in ireland uh folks like uh germany all the kind of all these different cities so i think paris is today gotcha that kind of makes yeah i saw saw pictures of uh Marseille and Monsoir outside of a Five Guys in Paris. So that's the only reason I know that. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yep. Shout out to the lads, uh, the Maximum Male Models, always just giving the gaff and just create. Just, these guys are fantastic. so good. They're just so good. I love them. Yeah. But yeah, hopefully folks are enjoying it. A lot of things actually happening this week. Folks visiting Raw announcements of various things that we'll get into here, uh, debuts, uh, some legal troubles, a lot to go 
happen inside and outside of the ring, some of which we'll mention today. So hopefully you folks were able to take it in. But if you weren't, here are some of the selected topics that you can just catch up if you give this a watch or listen. We greatly appreciate it. All right, as a reminder, you can find us in video form at youtube.com slash kfabecouncil and in audio form wherever you get your podcasts from. In this week's episode, we look at WWE announces World Heavyweight Championship. A update on the AEW Pillar Tournament. Roderick Strong is all elite. Our reactions to the WWE Draft Night 1. And we have a live stream coming up this week. For more info, stay tuned to the end of the episode. But coming up first. WWE announces world heavyweight championship so in this past week's episode of monday night raw we had triple h which on his nameplate is hall of famer triple h and not an executive not head of creative none of anything like that coo ceo cco anything like that just thought i'd mention that because i observed that and rewound it for a second to make sure but he's a hall of famer nonetheless but said man comes out and addresses the crowd. Says Roman Reigns, the undisputed WWE Universal Champion, is coming up on a thousand days as champion. And Hunter can't name too many that can hang with Roman. He's that damn good. Along the way, in those a thousand days, Reigns did something very smart. Something Hunter would have done. He negotiated himself into a position where he didn't have to defend that title as frequently. And he can't blame Roman for that, but it's not great for WWE. WWE deserves more, and we deserve more. With Roman, when, excuse me, when Roman is drafted to whatever brand he is drafted to, which ends up being SmackDown, which we'll get into a little bit later in the episode, he'll take his title with him, and he will stay on that show. The other brand, Raw, will determine a new champion at Night of Champions. He'll crown a new world heavyweight champion. And he'll be a champion that will defend the title anywhere, any place, anytime, all over the world, and who won't have to demand you acknowledge him. So he unveils the third world championship to be a companion alongside the WWE championship and the Universal Championship. And it's a Play in an homage on the old style of the big gold belt, noticeably with a large WWE logo. Of course, WWE likes their marketing and likes their logo to be out there. So, of course, that. But, Joker, I will throw it over to you. Thoughts on Hunter's announcement slash comments about Reigns, as well as the introducing of the new world heavyweight championship a third world title and perhaps thoughts on the belt design strap in strap in pt it's time for hot takes with dr joker i gotta correct mr paul levesque hunter hearst helmsley the hall of famer and as uh as michael cole called him the game of games um which i loved by the way uh roman reigns is not coming up on a thousand days 
is coming up on 400 days. Because if we are to believe that he is the undisputed champion, which is him holding both of these belts, he has only held the second belt since last, not 39, but 38 WrestleMania. WrestleMania 38 from 2022. Therefore, the number 1000 is superfluous. It doesn't mean anything because it's stupid. But now they have figured that out. They realize, oh, maybe it was a stupid idea to give this man both belts, considering we're only going to bother with the lineage from the big blue belt. Which, by the way, was a clear giveaway that he was staying on SmackDown, because there was not a chance in heck they were bringing back Big Red. So, sorry boys and girls, there's an awful lot of flags out here that have just been like, oh, it's so blooming obvious! But then we have to look at things and go, oh, will we need a new belt? Well, maybe you should have just given Cody the other belt, and then you wouldn't have had this problem. Because now what's the point in the big black belt? There is no point to it, so we're probably going to get rid of it. It's going to be amalgamated into the blue belt. It'll be a blue and black belt or something. I don't know. It's honestly, it's pretty stupid. Have three belts at the top of this, uh, at the top of this card. For any reason that they are going to get rid of a belt, it's going to be the black one. Because they seem to be gung-ho on the, uh, on the big blue which means that they will fold the lineage of Big Black Heavyweight title into the Big Gold Heavyweight title that they now have. I am happy that they have decided to split the titles in, let me just, you know, for our audio listeners, heavy air quotes, split the titles this way. But this is a really poor time to be giving us this belt. And I say that because the moment that we got this belt, I uh, did what I normally do, and I go to Twitter and I see what uh, see what everybody thinks of things. Because, you know, gotta put the feelers out there and see what's going on. Some people like the design, some people don't. I do, I do agree. It's kind of an acquired taste, sort of. It is halfway in between big gold, which I liked. I like the big gold belt compared to the winged eagle, not gonna lie. Um, <laughs> love big gold compared to the spinner, too. Anyway, um, but the big W W symbol kind of has me a bit thrown. I don't know if I like it yet or not, but neither here nor there. And a lot of people were just like, give it to Roman! Without listening to what Triple H said. This is going to be a belt that is going to be defended all over the world. So there you go. Roman is already out of contention for this belt. So I don't know if everybody really you know, decided that they wanted to take their satire cornflakes in the morning, but maybe they got a bad batch because it was just terrible. And then you saw all the people just reacting to it going, boys and girls, did you even watch the show? Did you watch the show? Please tell me you did. Joker did not have a good Tuesday morning whenever he was having to troll for information. I honestly don't know where this is going to go for the company. Obviously, the uh, champion is going to be decided at Night of Champions in uh, Riyadh or Saudi Arabia for sure. Well, Saudi Arabia for sure, Um, which typically have been to take a to take a context from um, 
from out of uh, stories, non-canon in terms of progress. Uh, typically, I want to say, typically, you know, there have been certain exceptions. So I was very surprised that they want to do this, but obviously one of the one of the pay-per-views that they have to put on for uh, for the people of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia or whatever it's called. Um, so yeah, cool, big pomp circumstance. But I'm kind of scared. I don't know who's going to be in this title race, title contention. But I know that there's one person I don't want to have this belt. It's Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes should not hold this belt first. He does not need this belt. This belt is not the lineage. Not until both belts have been taken off of Mr. Roman Reigns. But they threw a spanner in the works for that one. And again, they uh, they drafted Cody to the dup, the opposite show for Roman. So, hmm, I don't know, PT. I'm confused. I'm torn. I'm a little bit annoyed. And I'm just irked by the timing because it gives Roman a free pass for a promo. And you know, everybody knows on the internet what that first promo is going to be. Nobody could beat me, so they had to go and make a belt for everybody else to fight over. No, Roman. No. Their, their booking decisions were awful because they think that you deserve two belts and they're giving you a 1,000-day title reign just for the blue belt. So that's the only reason. So in return, in regards rather to the title belt design, I do like, I'm always a big fan of the big gold belt. And I'd mentioned earlier that they have a rather large WWE logo in the center. A lot of companies put in there either their letters or their logo somewhere in the middle or towards the center of the plate. This one, of course, WWE likes their branding. So if they're going to give a replica to like a team or if somebody sees it on tv or somebody's doing an interview obviously it's a it's a quick piece to recognize so it makes sense where they were going to put some their logo on that somewhere so i get it uh, but in terms of some of the comments hunter made obviously he put over roman with his with his reign mr reigns with his reign saying that he was also smart coming up on thousand days also smart to negotiate to not have to defend his championship but kind of took a little shot at him towards the end to say you won't have to demand anyone to acknowledge the new champion so quite interesting there but yeah a lot of conjecture on the social medias and the iwcs of uh well i'll just go straight to the point here you brought up the man cody the notion of a lot of people thinking, oh, this is this is for Cody, this is a guaranteed win for him, things of that nature. The, I don't know, I mean, I'm of two sides to it, since you brought up the man himself. The, I can see Cody being in contention for this, with him being now on the Raw brand. We'll get to the draft picks a little later in the show. Uh, at some point uh, in the future, of course, 
but the and him being he's already a two-time world champion of course already so him being a champion in the fed kind of makes sense the way they present him but then there's also with the argument that it's going to be a gimme and he's he's an automatic forward but there's also an argument to say it's not maybe for him with him basically over the course of the last year minus his time away saying I want to fit I want to work on the story. I want to hold the belt my dad fought for, which is the WWE Championship, which I may don't think he they're going to maybe get rid of that belt because they they were just doing a campaign where they were celebrating the 60 years of the WWE Championship. So kind of been their thing. Perhaps they may not dissolve it or sort of absorb it. Or maybe do away with the naming of the Universal and just combine it and call it the WWE Championship. Regardless, either way. But my point is, going. we've been hearing that he wants to hold that belt, finish the story type of thing. So, of course, we're on a yet another brand split, but that doesn't mean anything. Because there's number of avenues where someone on one brand can fight and challenge somebody else. But your... You already mentioned you don't see Cody being the first person, but thoughts on Cody really targeting in on the WWE Championship, per se, that's currently held by Roman Reigns. Do I think he's going to try and go after that one instead? Since that's the story he's been telling. I think it's the preferred story that people want him to go after that. I I don't I don't think there's room at the top for three belts. All right, so one of them has to go. However, we just have this brand new world heavyweight championship, new belt design, heavily air quoted, new, borrowed belt design, um, and big black belt and big blue belt with the big WWE logo. Now Roman's lineage and story is based off the big blue belt if we got rid of big blue we dissolve roman's legacy because roman's legacy is not tied to the big black belt which i am telling everybody yet again he won at wrestlemania 38 from brock that is when he became undisputed wwe universal champion That is day one where his record should start. Which means as of WrestleMania 39, he's 365 days deep. Because that's how many days are in a year, folks. Don't know if you know this, but it's not a thousand. But he has held the Universal title a lot longer, which is what people are trying to talk about. So I 100% agree that they shouldn't get rid of the big black belt because it is the lineage of the WWE Championship. It is the belt that John Cena held, Undertaker, Triple H, you know, all the way back to people in um, the old WWE, you know, Buddy WWF. Rogers, Pedro Morales, Bruno yes, San Martino. And that is the one with the lineage. That is also the one that Cody wants. But should Cody get that belt, where does that belt go? So that is why I, I feel like 
they will change that uh, kind of concept of two belts and merge them into one. One so they can validate Roman's legacy and keep his legacy true in a sense, but also so that they can maybe move the lineage. I personally feel like anybody who does win the World Heavyweight Championship should beat Roman for the big black belt and merge those two, and then therefore have that lineage tied to that new form belt. That is how I would personally do it, which is another reason that I'm annoyed by this early sort of announcement that we have of this belt. I'm, I'm just still stuck out in my head that it's a wee bit too early for this belt to be announced. Um, so it's one of those that who do you give it to? Who has the strongest back that you can possibly give it to? Well, there's a couple of names that I don't want to give it to. Uh, Cody being one of them. Uh, I don't want to give it to Finn Balor, unfortunately. Um, the last time that man got a brand new belt, well, I think some people remember what happened to his shoulder. And um, I actually don't want it to go to Bobby Lashley either, but Bobby has since moved. He was my third pick, but he is on SmackDown now. Um, so anyway, who do I want it to go to? There's really only one name that it should go to. Seth freaking Rollins, who, since before WrestleMania 38, was giving us really good storylines with Kevin Owens, uh, trying to steal his spot uh, going into WrestleMania 38, eventually getting the spot with Cody, having the ad nauseum 15 million matches with Cody, culminating in the torn peck match at Hell in a Cell. And since then has become such a beloved person. And we said this way back when, whenever we were talking about Cody's torn peck matches, like Seth can always eat those losses because he is a perennial, perennially over kind of character. And that is just how things go. They sing his theme tune. Like they have drowned out people on the mics just by singing his theme tune. No one else has that kind of uh, power outside of Cody. And I think it's because of Cody and because of Seth that these two are in a similar position. Because the, the woe from Cody's sort of uh, from Cody's theme walking in, like Hunter was just like, yeah, sure, go on ahead, give, you know, it, it, we, you almost got your whoa, go ahead, do it. And then they did it, they did it like two or three times. Um, but equally, Seth Rollins like, gets his entire theme tune sung back at him. So that would be my, my primary pick. And looking at the list of people that I have here for Raw, I would say he is most likely the standout pick to get selected for Raw and get that championship. The only other person I feel like right now is Drew McIntyre. And his contract negotiations are later this year. So, Fair play. There's a lot of folks that were thinking about who could hold this belt. And since we 
maybe you chatted or you thought maybe Cody shouldn't be the first person or perhaps at least stay away from it at the moment. Seth is a strong contender. There was even a segment little later on on Raw where he just kind of goes up to it and he says, you know, he wants to fight for it. It's more been politics and part-timers as a chance for folks to have a title. That's for us. And we're going to crown that new champion. So in terms of a guy who can work, who has strong work rate, who has a presence, and hold an audience, whether he's leaning a little bit more of a baby or, or towards a heel. He has engagement. Folks like him either as a baby or as a heel. He's shown that he can carry. I think he's a strong candidate. And I'd be okay with a Seth holding the championship. Kind of makes sense to me. And you can have those just matchups against you know, other upper mid-card guys to main eventer guys, as well as have the potential to have a match against a younger guy or a less experienced individual and help bring him up and have a strong showing. I, in my brain, as I'm saying that, there was a triple threat match, I think, at Survivor Series with Babo Lashy and Austin Theory, where the three guys had a strong match for those, the U.S. title, and it was made Austin Theory look good. Of course, it had Bobby Lashley look good, and Seth was in there just helping with the work rate. So I think it's a strong candidate for it. I could see it. Makes sense to me for sure. But speaking of the likes of a Seth, for example, uh, a question here, because everybody is at the moment, or at least social media or the IWC is basically dismissing this belt, and folks are just throwing it to the curb already. But the notion of having this belt defended all the time, having it great matches where this belt is defended, if it's booked right, if it's made to feel important. Do you feel like with Roman being absent or just not defending the title regularly, do you feel like this has an opportunity to at some point overcome Roman's sort of stature, him on a pedestal, and if this is done right, can be an equal, at least in perception, to the likes of him being Roman and his reign. Yes. Uh, as the short answer is yes, because it all depends on how they book it, and as soon as Roman drops the belts, the the reign will be forgotten. This is this is the thing that most people don't realize or don't want to admit is just because this man has a long reign, it's not going to be mentioned if he's not on TV. It doesn't matter to the current product if it's not being seen. Like right now, the only reason Roman Reigns gets mentioned is because Jay and Jimmy are fighting Sammy and Ko. Like, that's the only reason that Roman is being mentioned. And if you think otherwise, then you're clearly just listening to the wrong stuff. Like, oh, it's the belts. Like, yes, but the fans are generating the, the buzz around Roman because of this new belt being added. Not, not WWE. Like, they literally 
kind of threw shade at him. Like, you won't have to acknowledge this one. He will earn your acknowledgement. Like, they're throwing shade at Roman. And they were saying, like, this one will be defended all the time. Again, throwing shade at Roman, who's not there. Hasn't been there since WrestleMania. Like, you know, come on. Guy hasn't been seen since the night after WrestleMania. Like, what do you, what do you want to do? The champ ain't there. And I have said for months and months and months, probably since about November last year, that the only reason that the bloodline is relevant is because of Jey Uso, Sami Zayn. And now that encompasses Jimmy Uso and Kevin Owens. And it's starting to encompass Solo Sokoa. I didn't say Roman Reigns there, because he's not relevant to the Bloodline story. And even the name of the Bloodline is starting to become less and less relevant to that story. Long-time listeners of the show will know PT and I have loved that story. But have we talked about it recently? No. Because WrestleMania ended it. The only relevant engaging part of the story is over. We don't want to talk about who Roman's next opponent is because Roman's next opponent is 1,000 days. Once that's there, it's probably next WrestleMania because he's going to have until then off. He has some PTO just saved up in the bank. Like, come on. It's ridiculous that we have to wait this long for a champion to come back around. You can say all you want about a, a champion parlaying his success into a lighter work schedule. Take the belts off the champion. It's, it's interim world titles all over again. I was annoyed when Thunder Rosa wasn't, uh, wasn't defending titles. They eventually took the title off her. Sure, that was a different thing. She was injured. Sure, whatever. But PT. Roman Reigns may as well be injured right now. Because he isn't competing. He's not turning up to shows. He's being mentioned in sideward glances. And it's the mere specter of a man who can't win matches clean. So why do we care? What onus is on us to continue caring about this character and his reign? For me personally, once he drops the belts, his reign is over, and whoever gets them next, that is the person who's relevant. There's the notion of out of sight, out of mind, and what have you done for me lately is very important, especially in an entertainment business. And like the positioning said, if it's put on the right person, and it's I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but if it's put on the right person, it's presented well, it's put in great matches, and we in we at least see it having being defended and elevating guys and things of that such, then it's like, well, this other guy, Roman, he's not here. He don't defend it. He just sits at home and gains days where this other person is fighting a champion and gaining days. What, from a perception standpoint, well, the guy putting in work probably feels more important than the guy just not even showing up and gaining days so there's an interesting tightrope that we are walking here obviously with the introduction of this belt will remains to be seen how this will be handled but a very interesting notion of 
introducing a third world title and seeing how we were going to handle the already established two championships that we have on one individual. So it's going to be quite an intriguing road that we go on to figure this out. But those were our thoughts on WWE introducing a third world championship in the guise of the World Heavyweight Championship. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube and or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and let us know what your thoughts are on World Heavyweight Championship, who could it be, and how it might affect the WWE as a whole. And if I can add one little piece of food for thought, the Intercontinental title is one of the most prestigious titles now currently circulating WWE. That's because it's been defended, and it's been defended well in good matches. That's only the first step for the World Heavyweight Championship, which just goes to show you a champion who is fighting will always, always garner support. Man makes the title, title makes the man. Let us know what you think about this. Next topic here, an update with the AEW Pillar Tournament. So as we saw on this past week's episode of AEW Dynamite, the matchup between Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen. Skip ahead to the finish of the match. Sammy hits the Spanish fly off the top. Allen gets his hand on the ropes for pinfall. Guevara subsequently puts Darby through a table on the outside with a 630 from the top rope, rolls an inside. Darby Allen kicks out of the move. MJF gets up from commentary, heads to ringside. Darby sidesteps a charging Sammy. Shotgun drop kick and up to the top, but Max gets on the apron and throws Darby his skateboard. Sammy then flat back bumps referee Paul Turner, a distracted referee Paul Turner. Turns around and falls for it, and we see Sammy Guevara win by disqualification with a bit of an Eddie Guerrero special, and becomes the number one contender to the AEW World Championship. So watch this match, Joker, and I had to rewind a bit, take it in, and watch the ending again, and realized that AEW got it wrong. Sammy put Darby through a table while referee Paul Turner watched. Sammy's disqualified right there. Darby advances to face MJF double or nothing. But instead, Turner calls for a DQ on something he did not see. They messed up the booking there. Did you notice that? Or is it just Ooh, me? Yeah, they did. I mean, no, not, not just you. 100%. The AEW referees, we are told, like to give a little bit of leeway. But I, I do think 100% you're right on this. Like, how can you give leeway to something you seen blatantly happen, but you call the DQ on something you didn't see? It doesn't make any sense. Like, Paul Turner has, has done some, you know, really good jobs in the past with some matches. This is one that I'm not, I'm not okay with. It's, it's a little bit stupid. It, yeah, it's not, it's not right. 
Okay, so I'm glad I wasn't the only one who noticed that. Uh, just really curious. It wasn't explicitly stated that it was a no disqualification match because clearly the match mm -hmm. ended in no DQ. And I do understand that the refs, especially in tag matches, because there's no, there's five yeah. or the leeway 10 count. I mean, guys just come in and regardless. So I, I understand that they play a little loosey goosey with the rules that notwithstanding. But I guess tables are legal, but then on Rampage or Dynamite, it might have been Dynamite. It was Dynamite where Dax and Jeff Jarrett were fighting in a singles match. They went to the outside. Jeff almost hit Dax with a, with a chair, but Excalibur was very quick to say, oh, uh, he was, Jeff was about to get disqualified had Dax not kicked him. So there are like actual shoot rules, but I think it's yeah, one yeah. of those... I, when it comes down to it's the how do we serve the booking and the booking was for Sammy to win under scrupulous circumstances but at least don't you know kind help me out here what's going on make it work for me brother the the only way that this should have happened right and fixing the ending would be for Darby to have rolled off of the the, the table which was maybe the call, and he just was like, you know what, I haven't actually suffered that much, I'm just going to take this, because, you know, haven't, you know, we, we all know how much he likes to hurt himself, so yeah, I'm just going to take this, and maybe Sammy was supposed to go through by himself, that wouldn't have ended in a DQ, because he didn't actually put anybody except himself through the table, that would have saved that kind of booking, and then, yes, the, 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 skateboard being handed to him and taking the, the Eddie Guerrero bump. Um, perfectly alright. I'm okay with a DQ finish if it makes sense. But this one didn't make sense because like you said, Sammy should have been DQ'd first. And it wasn't a DQ, it wasn't a no DQ match because it ended in a disqualification. So, for me personally, this was a little bit of a possible botch or in the more likely aspect terrible booking uh of the or terrible terrible producing of the match so whoever was the producer backstage said to do this spot got it wrong um forgot that this you know maybe maybe paul turner wasn't supposed to see the table spot i don't know um it, but you know it, it just doesn't make sense to me either pt you're not you're not going crazy Alright, so I appreciate at least I wasn't the Charlie from It's Always Sunny with all the string on the cork board going crazy. I'm like, <laughs> at least someone else noticed this. Okay, I feel a little bit better. But we get that ending where Darby is DQ'd, Sammy wins. Now we have the matchup set for MJF and Sammy at Double or Nothing. But Tony Schiavone gets some news at the commentary table while Alan and a Jungle Jack Perry comes in to help save Darby and console him. They bicker in the ring, and Guevara and Friedman gloat on the stage. However, Shivani himself gets on the mic and says he just spoke with Tony Khan. And Sammy indeed did earn a title shot, yes. But he may not be the only one, because next week, Jungle Boy and Mr. Darby Allen will team against 
the team of Sammy Guevara and MJF. And if the baby faces win, they will then get added to the match. Joker, I have to say, DK listens to the show. It has become and most likely will become a four-way match at Double or Nothing. Now, would you say that's fair play? This has been a running gag for me and you for a while now, where TK clearly gets some of his booking decisions from us. Whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing, I'm not quite sure. But on this occasion, I think it's a good thing. Uh, like, you know, we've been, we talked about it before. Uh, from a few weeks ago, I talked about how I'd want them, if they were to do this triple threat, slash into a gauntlet style um, uh, match for the title. You're saying obviously fatal four way, uh, and we've we've kind of gotten something along the same lines as both of those. Really, we had our tournament, which ended up professionally booked, and now we're getting our lead into a fatal four way or a pillars four way, as it's being called. Um, which, as far as I am aware, will have no DQs, so. They can go through all the tables and slap each other with all the skateboards as we want. Um, maybe Paul Turner can ref that one. Uh, but this is the right call. And I feel like it leads into being self-explanatory that Jungle Boy and uh Jungle Boy and Darby are going to get the win and Darby is going to pin Sammy. And obviously, Sammy is going to be targeted by MJF because of him losing and all this here. So it makes sense. It's kind of easy to see. It would have just been easier if they had of sort of, I don't know, said it was going to be a fatal four way from the beginning. But hey ho, ho hum, we love convoluted booking decisions. Much like the fallout of the Trios Championship, when you book a best of seven series, you bet your sweet bottom dollar that that bad boy is going seven matches. So likewise, the analogy here, you don't book a team of baby faces to try to get into a championship match if they're not going to get into said championship match. So... I mean, this is a pretty much foregone conclusion that those lads, Jungle Jack and Darby, are going to win and be added. And we talked about it on a previous episode. It makes the most sense. You can have a just a strong showing from the four guys, and and you can book the ending however you like, but there'll be just hard-hitting moves and finishers, ending sequence, and more than likely MJF will come away with the victory. Uh, to cement your earlier kind of notion or question, yeah, a triple threat slash three-way dance or a four or a five-way match is no DQ and no countouts because, yeah, I mean, it comes down to a pinfall or submission. So, yeah, you can have some scrupulous activities happen in that. But TK, appreciate you listening slash watching. Thanks for the uh, bit of that rub ski, brother. And makes sense. So. Officially, we have the tag team match of the faces trying to get into the match. Most likely, it'll probably happen. And I, like we mentioned before, feel like it would be a better match with it being a four-way. Those guys can get the rub being in a championship match with the champion. 
more room for spots, showcase piece. It makes probably the most sense. I would agree. Hundred percent agree. Um, gives us, uh, like you said, that showcase platform, uh, especially for Darby, Jungle Boy, and uh, Sami Guevara. Uh, so it's it's one of those that you just kind of look at it and go, "This is going to be amazing if this happens." But you know what? I'm not actually that bothered if Jungle Boy and Darby lose either. I'm happy because I'm pretty sure the four-way is going to happen. But it'll still be good if it's MJF versus uh, versus Sami. So it's kind of whatever for me, really. I'm going to win either way. Uh, and Max comes away with the Triple B as per. But I do feel like it's it's setting up for a sort of uh, Max's reign to take on this effect of I am going to fight my opponent's style. And as we all know, uh, Sami and Darby especially are very out there in terms of hardcore uh, rule sets. So like they'll throw themselves off the top of uh, cages, off the top of ladders, through tables. Um, and Jungle Boy, to a lesser extent, he did get himself burned on uh, on some heated grates from the fireworks uh, not too long ago and has had some uh, run-ins with Christian. So I feel like he is definitely going to take on this mantra of I'm going to fight my opponent's style. And this is definitely a, a style of match that does not suit MJF, but he will rise up beyond despite that. Should be a compelling tag team matchup and then subsequent Championship matchup at Double or Nothing. So those were our thoughts on the updated element of the Pillars Tournament in AEW. Let us know down in the comments section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram. Let us know if you also noticed the weirdness in how that match was booked between Sammy and Darby, as well as your guesses on who's probably going to win the tag team matchup and uh, what your thoughts are on a four-way match for the AEW championship. All right, next topic here. Roderick Strong is now all elite. On Dynamite, we had Adam Cole calling out Chris Jericho, wanting to get revenge for the attack on Britt Baker the previous week from a Combined efforts from the outcasts. But Jericho's nowhere to be found. But Judas plays and Jericho appears on the Tron. Chris laughs off the idea of coming and fighting Adam Cole. But his goons will. Enter the Jericho Appreciation Society. Stalking down to the ring and overwhelming Adam Cole with the numbers game. Then we see Orange Cassidy and Bandito make the save who fought in an title match for the international championship earlier in the night but soon enough they also succumb to the jas's superior numbers all of a sudden end of heartache from kill switch engaged plays and roderick strong runs down the ramp to make the save to a sizable pop i have to say we get backbreakers and olympic slams for the heels 
and then ends with Cole and Strong staring at one another, but ultimately sharing an impactful embrace. Joker, I have to say, looks like we're getting the band back together, or shall we say the era back together, Joker? Oh, yes. I, I'm actually super happy about this. Um, we, we did see the, the entrance was really good this time. Um, I say this time because we all know how I feel about, you know, run-ins. But um, with the, the sort of music playing and then everybody, you could tell, like, the, the crowd was like, Who, who's this? Like, we're, this is strange. This is not how it usually goes. And then Roderick Strong pops up in the Tron and the pop just like a Manson. You know, Roddy just comes straight running down the uh, down the ramp, and um, the only thing missing here would be like an undisputed uh, undisputed era uh, t-shirt. You know, so uh, comes in and gives backbreakers and stuff. We all know Roddy loves his backbreakers, um, and I, I was just super happy. Like, yeah, because at the end we got the big hug and we the feel good factor, and earlier in the week. Um, say earlier in the week, it actually might have been that very day or the previous day uh, that Adam Cole had been tweeting about how he missed working with his friend Kyle O'Reilly, another member of uh, you know the undisputed, um, the undisputed uh, faction back in uh, NXT. So it's it's one of those that it wasn't even in my head that Roddy's contract had finished, and yet. Boom! Here comes Roderick Strong. I was like, "All right, okay, I'm happy with this. I'm good with this. Yeah, good, 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 good. A little bit more roster bloat, but I'll make an exception." Fun interaction. Nice to see Roddy come in an impactful segment and storyline, lining with his old pal ROH running buddy NXT running buddy Adam Cole. Yeah, just I gotta say, folks were folks were excited uh, to when they realized it was strong, and he came in like a with, with a bum full of dynamite and just was going at it inside of the backbreaker and just going for broke in there. But you mentioned not realizing that Strong's contract had run out. A little backstage. News on here, after being sidelined with an ankle injury, Meltzer reported in the newsletter that WWE had no plans to bring Roderick Strong back to television once healed up. AEW kept the surprise debut for when Cole could return and hold Dynamite in Florida because Strong lives there, preventing him from being spotted traveling. Strong's WWE deal actually expired in November. However, because WWE doesn't announce NXT departures, and it wasn't a release but a contract ending, the news never got out. So, yeah, it's one of those things. It's not like he was released and say, hey, you know, we wish you well on your future endeavors. It was just contract ran out, and it was one of those quiet things. There was guises of, at least murmurings of Roddy, his positioning and things of such, maybe just not being the best. Or I recall in possibly late 2021 to 22, he just requested his release, but it wasn't granted. So 
you got the notions of just him for whatever reason just not being completely happy with his position and or booking what have you in WWE but makes the jump subsequently to AW but Joker I know you subtly slew, slid it in, excuse me, about you weren't infatuated with run-ins, per se. And I have to say, it draws comparisons to another recent AEW signing, Mr. Switchblade J. White. Both White and Strong debuted doing run-ins. Strong seemed to be a bit more of an impactful one and more resounding. Perhaps that's due to the nature of the story that they were being pushed into. White helping fellow Bullet Club running mate Juice Robinson beat down Ricky Starks in a seemingly lower-profile feud, juxtaposed with Strong just helping his longtime friend Adam Cole from an attack by the JS after the events of the previous week and an emotional attack on Cole's girlfriend, Britt Baker. So I'm obviously taking nothing away from these athletes, but of course, comes down to what we usually say and the folks who probably know if you're a longtime listener watcher comes down to the Booker Man, Mr. TK, Tony Khan, Tony Money, Sugar Man, and his presentation and his positioning of these wrestlers. So probably already know the answer, but I gotta ask it out loud. Who would you say felt like a bigger impact in their initial debut? Jay White or Roderick Strong? Roderick Strong, a hundred percent. That's because TK listens to the show and listens to my criticism of the Jay White run-in and made sure that we not only got an actual entrance and not a jobber entrance for Adam Cole and everybody else involved, because that was a big deal. You know, oh, let's just give the jobber entrance to rock hard. You can't give jobber entrance to rock hard. Come on. Like. And then, you know, we have the music play and he runs out all hell for leather in order to do something. You know, just have him just down or dying. I'm here, by the way. Roddy, Roddy's entrance made so much more impact because the music, no one realized who it was. And then the name popped up, Bish Bash Bosh. Jay White's music kind of starts the exact same as, you know, you can do what we normally have for like other Bullet Club members, have the Bullet, you know, Bullet Club for Life thing pop up. Everybody believes it's supposed to be, you know, rock hard. And then fish, bash, bosh, I pops Jay White. It's not hard to do. But this is the man who did a Lights Off, Lights On debut for Satnam Singh, which fell flat in its face as well. Like, nobody knew who that was. And nobody had a reason to even care. So, yeah. Please, TK. This is how you do run-in debuts. But equally, stop doing run-in debuts. Because we've now had two in the space of, what, a month and a half? Not even, like two, three weeks. Yeah, well, there you go, even worse. But it's the same thing with whenever TK gets a new, or finds a new toy to play with, he plays with it, and then he puts it away. Like, the tournament setting. There was a set. There was a period in 2021 or maybe 2022 where we went three months, and each month there was a new tournament. Like, come on, TK. And then like the aforementioned lights off, lights on debuts. Like we had loads of those. Um. So I mean, yeah, just kind of stop it, please. Just have announcements. 
make sure these guys come in. Don't don't have to be surprises all the time. I'm so happy that this happened. And it was a cool surprise. But maybe let's stop it. I say take nothing away from the athletes. Like me, a Jay White. Like me, a Juice Robinson and Ricky. Also like me and Adam Cole, Roddy. I like their pairing. They have some symmetry there. But in fairness, one cannot argue that AEW's been hit or miss with debuts. The aforementioned Sabu spot, the lights off, lights on with Satnam. We had uh, on the pay-per-view a couple years back, we had uh, a big announcement and a, a Hall of Fame talent coming through. And everyone thought it was, okay, was it the big show coming through? Or Mr. Paul White? No, it wasn't him. Okay, so in the latter match, all etho, e, ego Ethan Page? No, that wasn't him. It was Mr. Christian Cage. Okay, so that was certainly interesting. Doing run-ins with the more recent Jay White as well as the Roderick Strong. We had the interesting debut of Broken Matt Hardy, all those years back during the pandemic. So we've run the gamut, per se, on run-ins, or rather, excuse me, debuts to hit-and-miss pieces. I don't think folks can argue that to varying degrees of success, what have you. But the presentation, the piece, we'll move past it and just look forward to say that hopefully these gentlemen are presented well. These guys have engaging stories that we can latch onto and appreciate and give them opportunities. And you brought up very, very subtly that the notion of a new toy. And we haven't done the best of when guys get some momentum and get hot, they go away for a little bit. The House of Black, they won the trios championship outside of Buddy doing that one singles match with Arn Cassidy maybe two weeks ago? Where is the House of Black? Uh, they've done numerous things. We just had that angle with Jericho Cole, Isaiah Swerve Scott, and Keith Lee. What happened to Swerve? I know he made a random appearance on, I think it was Rampage. But, like, I feel like we... It comes down to Tony Khan's decision as a booker. I you know, hopefully if he gets, maybe he needs a little bit help. I don't know. I'm not saying, I'm not being the armchair, folks, but we can do better. Here's my point. We can do better with rotating the talent, making sure that we can capitalize on momentum and maybe hot debuts and things of such. And it can always get better. And hopefully these guys can take advantage of this momentum. 100% agree. And I feel like, um, without belaboring the point. Uh, we, we have on the horizon uh, a, a subtle uh, sort of change to the dynamic of the roster for the men, at least. Where we're having two shows. Yay! We're getting a second show that actually has substance, and it's not just dynamite light, but with jobber entrances. So this new show... What's it called? Collision. Collision? Cool. Yeah. Awesome name. Um, that's sarcasm. And it's gonna have a home for some new people. Like, fantastic. Like, we just saw the Raw and SmackDown day one draft. I kind of want them to do a 
start a draft system for for the for AEW as well. Like if we're going to separate the shows, go whole hog, do this, make it into an event. I know there are limiting factors for the Pepsi man, so and people who want to work with him and people who don't. That is all speculation. I do not want to engage in the speculation right now. So for now, we have a bloated roster with one show. Rampage is not a show. Side act. And then we're getting this second show. So we will have a home for at least 50% of the roster, I'm hoping. Uh, which just means we'll be able to see more dynamic storylines, more consistent use of characters, and we will see continuations of decent storylines. I'm just hoping that we add in a new head or new head of Creative for Collision um, instead of TK because he can't have his finger in all the pies. He is trying to be Vince McMahon in terms of booking everything himself, but he has so many other jobs. Like, honestly, TK, at some point I'm expecting you to throw a football in the middle of that ring and just expect it to be a Jaguars match. So take a take a step back from the second show. Let somebody else, Pat Buck or whoever else is there to, you know, produce. Let them produce that show. And that will give you an idea as to consistency for separate shows. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely something that the new toy syndrome play with it an awful lot and then as soon as I get burnt out on it I'm not using it any longer so just get rid of it shunt it to the side and not use it until it's convenient for me to use it because we're starting to see the same people on the show every week with no real direction of how we're meant to be uh how we're meant to be using them or how we're meant to react to them it feels like it's almost sort of, oh, well, we did this last week. How about we just continue on with it? Um, I'm not ever going to disqualify the, the quality of the matches, because the quality of the matches is good. It's the story behind them and the reasoning we're given for why they're happening. If it doesn't have consistency in terms of the booking, then for me, it makes no sense, and it would be better served, again, for me personally, being replaced by something else that has substance. Fair play. Although not officially announced, looks like we're leaning towards the aforementioned second two-hour show to complement Dynamite and Rampage. More opportunities and more TV time would indicate that we have more more time for the folks to have creative and things of such, whether that's needing help for TK or just a sounding board, what have you. But hopefully this can capitalize on more things for guys to get and gals, excuse me, those guys and gals to get time and creative and things of such. So I'm sure we'll cover that when that's announced and when that happens, most likely. But with that, those were our thoughts on Roderick Strong is now all elite. His debut in the company, helping out his friend and stable mate of the past, Adam Cole, and 
how it compares to Jay White's debut. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter and Instagram and let us know what your thoughts are on the debuts of Roddy Strong. All right, next topic here, the WWE Draft Night 1. Of course, we've mentioned it a little bit in the earlier sections of the show, but we just had SmackDown, which was, of course, Night 1 of the draft. We had some heavy hitters taken early on. SmackDown side, we saw the number one pick, the undisputed WWE Universal Champion Roman Reigns, Solo Sokoa, and Paul Heyman taken as a group, Bloodline. And on the Raw side, we saw the American Nightmare himself, Mr. Cody Rhodes. Start us off real quick. Joker, thoughts on the first picks out of the gate? Didn't like them. Didn't like them at all. And Roman Reigns had to go first pick. Anybody, anybody else, you know, would have made this exact same decision. Roman Reigns is always going top pick. Um, he is the Uwu. Uh, you got to add in one of those or whatever it is. Um, the Uwu champion. Um, and so he had to go first. It was a bit of a surprise that he went with Solo Sokoa and the Wise Man. And they weren't called the Bloodline. It was just Roman Reigns, Solo Sokoa, and uh, Paul Heyman. Um, they went to SmackDown. I was like, okay, like, like we mentioned earlier on, it was clearly going to happen. Big blue belt. They're not going to change it back to big red anytime soon. I was annoyed at Cody going second to Raw as their first pick because Cody hasn't finished the story. And as we alluded to earlier on in the show, the lineage with the belt is with Roman, not with this new belt. This new belt's going to be on Raw. Now people are going to be expecting Cody to win this new belt. So I'm a little bit up in the air. I don't, I don't like the idea that he's on this show. Um, but uh, two big picks, two absolutely dynamite uh, picks that uh, really couldn't have went any other way, despite my uh, annoyance at the um, the Cody pick. It would make sense to me that the champion of your company is going to be high on your list. Reminds me of the 2016 when we did Raw and SmackDown Live. I think it was like Dean Ambrose was the WWE champion. And they were like, yeah, we want to we want to get him early because he's also holding the championship deals. So the notion of that makes sense to me. Whether you want to come into play that we're getting pressure from a Fox, which is the American broadcaster of SmackDown and or the USA Network, NBC Universal, which is the broadcaster in the United States for Raw had sort of asks or things of such i think it ultimately comes down to at least in kayfabe because we're kayfabe council that we want to have the world champion on our brand so going as a number one pick makes the most sense we're getting into that nfl draft season hype so everybody loves a draft i love the nfl draft i love the nfl draft man big pomp and circumstances why i like the the wwe draft i think it's cool it's fun it's it's a gimmick it's there so yeah, I'm, 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 
jonesed for it, but uh, uh, the picks, yikes. It's looking like, hey, we're sports. We do things, you know? Uh, hey, look at go us. We sports. can do a draft. Go sports. Let's go <laughs> sports. Oh, yeah. So we have a strong representative in Roman, and then, of course, the other half of the WrestleMania main event, Cody Rhodes, being a high pick and number one for the Raw side. So we have two popular individuals, two strong personalities, two popular big-time names in terms of their booking at the moment go in number one to each brand. So I think it's, I think it's a fair play. And we at least are starting off hot from a kayfabe perspective, but then also looking into kind of seeing what you're doing. But some of the other picks as well. Uh, of note, SmackDown taking Raw Women's Champion Bianca Belair. We see the likes of the Street Profits, Edge, Mr. Bobby Lashley there. The OC damage control and the last televised picked the NXT Women's Championship uh, team of Albafire and Isla Dawn. Raw counters with Becky Lynch, Imperium. So we're having the Intercontinental Championship moving over to Raw. Matt Riddle, Drew McIntyre, The Miz, Shinsuke Nakamura, and interestingly enough, the NXT Women's Champion, Indy Hartwell. So. Now that we've established that we have the SmackDown, we'll have Roman and the undisputed WWE Universal Championship, and Raw will now have that World Heavyweight Championship that we discussed earlier. Time will tell probably what happens to some of the other things, and based on the movements here, I'm thinking of Bianca possibly relinquishing the Raw Women's Championship if she still holds it, the title. And the roster is going to affect May 8th after Backlash is a possibility, perhaps. That's not to say, or perhaps, if SmackDown Women's Champion Rhea Ripley is drafted on Raw this coming Monday, and we might have a little bit of the old Street Profits, New Day, Becky Charlotte, little swappy swappy, perhaps? Or I don't even know, yeah, if the... If the... You see, this is the thing. This is the thing, right? We already did that spot with the you know, like you mentioned, Becky Charlotte. So I was like, oh, there's no way they do that again. Like that's stupid. The only thing that I want to see is Gunther and uh, Austin Theory swap brands because then we could have the U.S. title on SmackDown. We could have Gunther on uh, with all the all the Raw boys and Intercontinental title continue to be uh, getting chopped over there. Like. Fantastic. That is a hundred percent the way I'm I'm booking that. Because Gunther has killed everybody on SmackDown. But why are we rehashing this 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 point again? Like, what is the point in it? It does it makes zero sense. It's not like, oh yeah, this is a really cool this is a really cool storyline. No, it's not. It's stupid. It's honestly stupid. I was like me, me trying to just add in. I don't know what kind of accent I'm trying to add on to the stupid. I'm trying to make it stupid as stupid is as stupid does. It's stupid. Don't do it. And they're doing it. Like who signed off on this? We're gonna do this again. We're gonna have Bianca and and Rhea just stand in the ring and go, "Here's my belt. Here's my belt. And swap. Uh, tug of war. Tug of war. Tug of war." And then we're gonna have I don't know the KOD to Rhea or. 
you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know how we're going to book this if they're going to get into a physical altercation, which obviously, you know, Rhea Bloody Ripley, and you can't really pick a winner between Rhea Bloody Ripley and Bianca Belair because whoever wins, it's really a flip of a coin. Like there's, there's, I, I don't envy the person who has to book that match eventually when it happens, but I'm thankful it's not me because it's just gonna. 100 coin flips is going to come up out even every time. But I just don't understand why we're doing this part again. Like, there's no point to it. The booking makes the most sense because we've already taken Bianca to SmackDown. The logic would dictate that now Rhea goes to Raw, we do the swap like we mentioned, so we're using the same booking. But then, are we going to do a little Vince Russo swerve and have Rhea stay on Smackers? I mean, we well, we have thing, we'd BT. have to we'd have to relinquish the belt from Bianca. But then, would that downplay her forever champion well over a year? Like the swap makes Here's the, the most thing, sense. BT. The swap makes no sense, and this is why, because we've already done it. So the swap doesn't need to happen. Bianca needs to be traded to Raw and stay there. Because yes, like you said, she's the forever champ. Nobody on there has beaten her. Bring in a fresh crop of talent to try and beat her. That is where it should stay. You should not be moving her to SmackDown because now we're rehashing the Becky Charlotte spot where we have to swap the belts, which is what we aren't doing with the boys because we'll... One boy holds all the belts. Like, it's ridiculously dumb. Makes zero sense to be doing this. But here is where it happened. Bianca has already cut a promo from her hotel in Belfast because she was in Belfast last night. And might have been a premier in. I don't know. I'm not all that au fait with all the hotels in Belfast, even though it's just down the road. But anyway, um, she said that she's going to be SmackDown Women's Champion. So, like, don't know if that's a spoiler or not, but we already know that whenever she's obviously moving to SmackDown, she's hardly going to be going, well, I'm Raw Women's Champion, so now I'm going to go to SmackDown and give up my belt. That, to me, is the worst trade deal in the history of trade deals ever. So, clearly they're going to have to do a swap, which means they've already told us where Judgment Day is staying, because technically, they are raw talent. Even though they did follow Rey Mysterio to SmackDown whenever he got traded from Raw to SmackDown in early 21. That little promo from Bianca, kind of breaking kayfabe, whether or not that's a spoiler or a mistake, but her using the nomenclature SmackDown champion leads me to believe that a swapping of the titles would probably happen as opposed to now we're going to trade SmackDown to Raw for the Raw and women's champion Rhea and Bianca back and forth so they can stay the red and the blue champions on their respective brands. But yeah, man, I don't know. It's, it's a little bit of a uh, hot mess, shall we say. Shout out to Chelsea Green. But that's a, you know, we got to create drama, brother. Drama, controversy, a little Eric Bischoff. Controversy, controversy creates cash. There are three, no, four picks that I'm interested in. 
and that's the ones, uh, one of them which wasn't televised, and the three that were from NXT. So the women's tag team champions, who now have a tag team match on Tuesday, uh, Isla Isla Dawn and Alba Fire, both from Scotland. Lovely to see uh, these two ladies um, being drafted towards uh, towards SmackDown. Cool, and the NXT Women's Champion, who's currently wearing a boot. Uh, if you if you look closely enough, you would have seen that Indy Hartwell is uh, currently sporting a little boot uh, for a, a busted leg of some description. I'm sure what the thing is, but wonder how their ta- how their titles are going to fare, um, whether or not they're going to be relinquished, much akin to how Solo was forced to give up the North American title whenever he won it, but was already on the main roster and was told by HBK, eh, 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 no. So here we go. Those ladies mentioned having won those championships relatively recent in the last month to month and change, more for Isla Dawn and Alba Fire. Not what Michael Cole said, Isla Dawn, but even... Oh, God, that pissed me off. And then Indy Hartwell is winning it a couple weeks back, but perhaps I see them dropping it and or perhaps losing the titles for... Isla Dawn and Alba Fire and perhaps dropping it to for Indy Hartwell. If you are at all squeamish about uh, body deformation, do not watch the spot where Indy Hartwell was injured because it looks it's not the most brutal thing, but it does look pretty nasty. And if you're a little bit squeamish, do not watch that. But that notwithstanding, that's why she's now in a walking boot. Um, but yeah, I think it's one of those where much like the Bianca situation like we mentioned, and a possible Rhea situation, we have those ladies being called up who are champions in NXT, so we'll see how that pans out. But we'll wind down here and kind of just ask, of those first set of picks that happened on SmackDown Night 1, who do you feel like might have a little bit more of the most impactful presentation on their new brand? Looking down the list, None of them. Controversial take, but none of them are going to have an impactful first night on their new brand. Because the people who I feel that are going to have the impactful first nights are yet to be drafted. And there are people like Bailey, who I'm excited to see paired back up with Michael Cole. I want to love to see her make his life a living hell. The one person I didn't mention uh, whenever I said, obviously, the one that wasn't televised, JD McDonough from NXT has been drafted over towards the Raw brand. Um, and I'm kind of excited to see him. It leads me to believe that there are several other good NXT stars yet to be drafted up. Uh, so he gives me hope that we're going to see the likes of... Um, oh, now, his, now his name has escaped me. But anyway, it doesn't matter. We're going to see a couple of more, a uh, couple more individuals from NXT, both on the women's side and on uh, the men's side. Could be fun, um, but I do honestly feel like people who have yet to be drafted, akin to the Judgment Day, uh, specifically, are going to be the ones that really make their impact felt 
an awful lot more, much like the OC did um, last night on SmackDown. Whenever AJ was like, "OC, handle your business," and you know they 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 send a bit of a statement, which was fun. So um, yeah, I feel like they're the ones who are truly going to make their impact have yet to be drafted. Controversial take, bit of a hot take. You didn't answer, but you also provided some answers, so we can see. If this is for a reason, we get a degree of a little bit fresher matchups as opposed to we've been having over the last couple months. So that's definitely the takeaway that we can have here. So those were our thoughts on the night one WWE draft picks. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and let us know what your thoughts were on the picks, who was were you most excited to see on a particular show and maybe who's probably going to have a strong impact on their new brand? All right. As we mentioned early in the show, in the rundown, we have yet another live stream coming. This is, of course, we have Backlash coming up next week. On May 6th, the Saturday. And we are going to be doing yet another WWE 2K Sim live stream. This will happen this coming Wednesday, May 3rd, over on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Council. Don't forget to subscribe and hit that notification bell so you know when we're going live and can get the update on all the new content. But this will happen, like we said, on Wednesday, May 3rd at 8 p.m. UK time, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific. We hope to catch you folks there. We had a lot of fun doing the WrestleMania sim last month, and looks like it was something we could have there. We had a lot of fun chatting with the fans and then talking to some new folks and, yeah, just seeing how things pan out. Joker, is there a match that you're looking forward to the most from the Backlash card? Bad Bunny versus Mr. Damian Priest. Honestly, I am looking forward to that match. It's going to be a street fight. I love street fight matches. And it's been a hot minute since we've seen, uh, since we've seen Bad Bunny. Like, legitimately, I feel... <laughs> so... Really quick preface, I never knew who Bad Bunny was because I don't listen to his genre of music or him or whatever. So once he came to WWE, I quickly found out that he's one of the biggest the biggest stars on the entire planet. But to see his performance ability in the, the short space of time, he actually excites me to you know to watching him perform because he's not one of these guys that comes in and he's like Oh, I'm just gonna, you know, do as much to get by. He is throwing himself off the top rope. He is putting you through tables. He's wailing on Damian Priest with, and he's working with Damian Priest, who arguably who he works best with. But they're facing each other, so I'm really, I'm really excited for that match. Honestly, uh, like it, it's got me more excited than the Cody versus Brock match for sure. Interesting enough, so. Hopefully you are excited like Joker is for a Bad Bunny and Damian Priest in Puerto Rico. 
for those folks that don't know, I'm also Soy Boricua as well, so excited to see that. And Joker, you are, if I'm not mistaken, will be checking out Puerto Rico later this year. Yeah, yeah, but not not the not the well after backlash. So <laughs> let's forget about that. It's unfair. Either way, backlash is going to be interesting. Glad that they're returning to Puerto Rico. So should be just a fun kind of day. Hopefully, you folks will join us. Like we said, over on the YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash Kayfabe Council. This coming Wednesday, May third. At 8 p.m. UK time, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific. Hope to see you then. Hang out, have some fun, some some matches, talk some bollocks, and let's have a little bit of uh, interesting guesses as to what's going to happen. So, hope to see you then. All right, that wraps it up for us. Lots of topics today. New titles, hmm. drafts some debuts, some Booker men's watching our show, getting ideas, lots to happen. Live streams upcoming, a lot of things going on, Joker brother, man. Yeah, like I said, I'm still waiting on some of my uh, some of my favorites to be drafted. Still got Mr. L.A. Knight to go. Yeah, uh, we've got uh, some New Day to go. Excited to see where they land. Uh, excited to see if they mention Big E uh, as part of El Nude. Um, but yeah, there's still so much to talk about as well with regard to the draft, which we will get to talking about during our uh, during our live stream as well. Um, just to sort of keep keep up with current events, as it were. I am sure. Yeah, it should be interesting. We'll set a little bit of time probably at the beginning section of the live stream on Wednesday this forthcoming to chat a little bit about the night two, which would be the picks that were would happen on Raw. So we'll do that and we'll sim some matches and we'll hang out and let us also know. So yeah, a lot of things happen this particular week. The ebbs and flows of the wrestling business and hopefully this next coming week is also a lot of things that give us an opportunity to talk about. So yep. Hopefully we shared some information. You learned a little something. If you got some hot takes, let us know. Share it with us. Feel like we are hopefully garnering some support. I looked at the YouTube side actually, and at the time of recording, we have hit a one-year anniversary of the channel being created, and in a couple of weeks, we will have our one-year anniversary show which would presumably be 52 which is 52 weeks in a year there you go so it's a little early but we appreciate everybody who's given us an opportunity who's checked us out who's given us a watch or like or subscribe on the youtube side giving us a listen on your podcast platform of choice yeah just you know we are a small island in the world of professional wrestling and from a content creation standpoint but for folks that have given us a chance we appreciate it so thank you so much for coming along on this journey i'm sure we will absolutely mention it of course when we hit our one year sort of anniversary officially on the show proper but yeah just a little early but i just noticed the little thing pop up on the youtube side so thank you so much for 
coming along. And yeah, if you're in, if you stayed this long on Wednesday for the live stream, yeah, come, come mention that and say hi to us. And uh, hopefully say, how about this? Folks that are here this long and are going to be joining us on the live stream, type in chat, happy early one year anniversary. How about that? Keep it nice and simple. That way we know that you listened to here, you stayed this long, and yeah, you appreciate us and we appreciate you. So thank you. I appreciate it. Can't, can't say anything better than that, PT. You've left me speechless, bud. You leave me speechless. So with that, we're going to get out of here. Thanks for coming along and staying with us this long into the episode. So for TF Joker. LA Knight just better be going to Raw and just winning all the titles. He, he is actually my number one pick to be going for the World Heavyweight title. Hard to hear first. Joker, you're my number one pick. <laughs> so for Joker and for me, Pretty Tony, we thank you for your time, letting us be a part of your day, and remember, be good to yourself, be good to each other, and we will catch you next time. Peace.